You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I am Aaron. And today we're going to talk about the second part of our top 20 list from 2019 and cover the bands 10 through number one. It's the big dogs happening right now. We had the the smaller dogs, respectively, last week. Yeah, and I spent majority of the last couple days kind of refreshing my memory on our top 10 albums of 2019 as voted on by us. And I don't even second guess myself. Like there's no doubt that these bands deserve to be the top 10 on our list. And all these albums were just fantastic albums from start to finish. Yeah. Dan's been letting us know all week because we've been pretty steeped in new music lately. Cause there's a lot of, of big releases just came out, but uh, going back and revisiting those ones from last year seems to have been a wise choice. Yes, and lots of fun. Uh, just because, like I said, the previous episode when we were counting down the 11 to 20, I really haven't had that much opportunity to listen to much music other than the music that we're going to talk about for, or that we have been talking about for the podcast. I haven't really been listening to uh, much of the previous music or past music because I just am not doing as much driving. We're not doing the radio show. So that's that's just a lot of hours of music that are, are gone from my life. Right, and if you were listening to that Tool album... Came in at number 20 for Inoculum, you would have time for no other music. <laughs> <laughs> You'd still be listening to it. You'd still be listening to it right now when you started last year. So, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had number 20 through 11 last week, starting with that Tool album. 19 was Corn's The Nothing. Album 18 on our list was The Dirty Heads with Supermoon. Slipknot with We Are Not Your Kind came in at 17. Buckcherry's War Paint was number 16. 311's Voyager at 15, Jimmy World was Surviving at 14, 13 was Skillet's Victorious, Bring Me the Horizon with Amo as 12, and Judah and the Lion with their album Pep Talks coming in at number 11, which brings us up to the 10. Well, and the one thing that we were kind of talking about is that, you know, how well did those albums hold up over the year? And I think that most of those I wouldn't change where they play, where we place uh, from 11 to 20. I would say that I would maybe try to figure out how to squeeze the uh, fire from the gods album in there, but I really can't see any of the current albums that we're just, that you just referred to moving around too much or having any kind of different opinion than what we, than where we placed them. I would agree with that. I think it's good whenever, whenever things hold up and whenever you can, have an opinion on something and look back on it later and be like, yes, I stand by that. That's probably all right. <laughs> well, and I still feel that way about the uh, top 10. We'll get into that in just a minute. I said that, you know, there's a, a band that I probably would place higher after listening to it this past week, but I feel pretty confident in where we placed everything. So you want to get into it? Yeah, I'm ready to get into this. I, I want to throw out a disclaimer about how this will work for number 10, particularly because number 10 is actually an EP, one of a number of EPs that this artist released that year. And so in general, we're going for best full on albums. But if an EP is that good, then it can still slide in. And actually, before we get into the artist himself, this is a guy that will probably show up on this year's year end list, even though he technically hasn't released an album this year. He has, however, released more or less an album's worth of music 
And I think we'll probably have a spot for them, whether it's officially compiled onto an LP or not. But I'll be quite honest, we said this when we were doing the show. If this EP was combined with Volume 2 and Volume 3, which both came out last year, it probably would have made it a lot higher on our on our list. But because it was just an EP with five songs on it, that's why it placed at number 10. So number 10 was Grandson, A Modern Tragedy Volume 2, the second of his three uh, EPs titled by the same thing. Uh, this one actually came out earlier than year in the year, and then he released Volume 3 later in the year. Volume 3 was an min- honorable mention. But Volume 2 was just fantastic um, and probably my favorite of the three EPs. Yeah, and it, it only enhanced it when we saw him live. And who did you guys see them with? Uh, he was the headliner. And actually, uh, one of the people that he was supposed to tour with, I believe, was sick or, or something. So he ended up playing a longer set and he played his, in, his entire catalog pretty much. <laughs> yeah, all but one song. <laughs> Grandson's a, pr- a pretty new artist, and so, yeah, I guess he just kind of had the compilation going on there. Well, I think he's just a, a very modern artist in the sense that, you know, he's not about, you know, getting it all together and, and releasing it all at once. Like, he wants, he has a song, he wants to get it out there as soon as possible. Right. And I think it's all, you know, it's a good way to market yourself, especially to try to continue to have that sound nobody can say oh well, this album sounds different than the last album because it's all it's all the same it's just a song that came out this year basically yeah so question for you guys uh about the inclusion of grandson we mentioned in previous episodes how grandson is is really kind of an itch favorite at this point at the same time he is not stylistically typical of what we play so he's more of a hip-hop artist sort of or Maybe he transcends genres a little bit. I don't want to put too many words in you guys' mouth. I'm curious as to why you all latched on to him when he's not really like, you know, the heaviness or like super guitar-y or even like our reggae side of the itch. It doesn't really fit into any of those boxes. After seeing them live, I would have to disagree with you. Uh, yeah. Yes. Their live band, they were they were phenomenal. A lot of their sounds are guitar-made, especially the chorus parts. It's actually like a, a looped guitar sound. Okay. They actually did it live. And I, I, that's one thing that I think made it so awesome. It's like, you know, we always say live performances, especially for us can make or break a band. And this one made it like, there was no doubt about it that we became bigger fans. Like you said, you know, this album came out right before we saw them live and we became huge, huge fans because of how awesome they were live. There's actually a, a concert on YouTube that I watched recently of grandson that, it's it's just really good concerts, good quality. So if, if you're curious as to what he sounds like or how his shows are, I would definitely advise checking it out. And I am. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> but this album, like every every single song, there was five songs on it. They were all solid, solid songs. And they all have very deep meaning. You know, he's very, very good lyricist. He believes in what he's singing about. We wanted to make comparisons to Jared and Zach from Rage Against Machine. And while, you know, they're both political writers in some respects, Zach knew what he was talking about. He researched and and was educated on on what he was talking about, whereas Jared just kind of feel like he's just going through rants and conspiracy theories and things like that. Jared, I've had PE just for for the listener who didn't make that connection. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, But Grandson is very educated on the topics that he talks about. In fact, when he is playing live, you know, he's going to go on and kind of elaborate and 
you know, to, to each song and their meaning. And he just is very well, like everything is so well thought of. Every, everything is so well written. And this album is, is definitely, you know, an example of that. And I think that's kind of what I was expecting the answer to that question be is because the itch, we'd love ourselves some, um, I guess you'd call it like socially conscious musicians and some, you know, some of our stuff honestly is pretty much here because it has great riffs, but we, we really appreciate a band that thinks hard about life and has a poetic way of delivering stuff. And so I feel like that is definitely one of the strong appeals that grandson has. But I think it's also, you know, we talked about this a lot on our, our radio show last year that rock music has evolved and it continues to evolve. And it's always, it's a trend as well. You know, it's, uh, it follows certain trends and, and there's no doubt in the last couple of years that there is an electronic trend in rock music. And so I just think that's kind of the way things are going. And one of the bands that we're going to be mentioning later in the show, who I consider the chameleons of rock have also kind of adapted into that electronic sound and, and just mastered it as well. But I just think that that was kind of the trend of last year. I think that it was a little bit more electronic y and that's kind of the, how the guitars were going. Uh, and I, I think this was a great example of that. Casey, any final thoughts on Grandson before we move on to number nine? Yeah, well, with it being an EP, it'd be different if he released an EP and then only like two or three of the five songs or seven song, like because volume one was also five tracks. And but like every single song is a really good song. So a lot of albums, you're lucky if you get five good songs on them. So. Well, and then you get the albums that are like 12 or 20 songs and there's like four fillers and three terrible songs and maybe three <laughs> good songs. And yeah. this was definitely not like that. I do think that, you know, had, had he combined volume one and volume two and put them out in the same album, it probably would have been a different story. This probably would have made top five. There's no doubt. Yeah, I will say volume three is the, the lesser of the three volumes, but yeah, I, I would agree. agree with that statement. So let's let's continue this fun stuff. I love it. <laughs> Number nine was an artist that that Dan let us know earlier that he had forgotten how good this album was. Yes. Number nine was Bad Flower with their album, OK, I'm Sick. And this album, honestly, was kind of on our radar for quite some time because they had a single come out that just blew us away. Uh, And that single actually came out in 2018. But I I don't remember exactly where the album came out. I I felt like it was March or something like that. But we had really high hopes for the album and it did not let us down by any means. It was a, a great, great album and a fairly new band. Yeah. The album actually came out February 22nd. Okay. That was close. This is their major label debut. And so to hop, uh, and so to hop right into the top 10 of our list, I mean, that's not a bad start. That's hardly been done by any band to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Not too many come out the gates swinging that hard. Yeah. It was, it was just like, Every single song on this album could have been a single. Um, there's just a lot of emotion that they write with, and every song is is very deep. This is probably one album that, you know, looking back, I, I would probably push for this album to be a little bit higher uh, if we were to redo this list at this point. Because I, I, just like look, look, listening back to all the top tens this past week, th- this is the one that really stood out to me that, probably, in my opinion, probably should have been top five. But in comparison to everything else, I, I still understand exactly why we place everything everywhere we did, because every album on this top 10 is great every single song. And so 
that's why it did make it number nine at the time. But I, I would probably push for it to be a little bit higher this year. I would would agree with that. It's again one of those things where had some of these albums been released the year before or the year after, it definitely would have been bumped up. But the entire album is good. I mean, the main single from that album, Ghost, is a phenomenal song. One of my favorites on it is the last track, Cry, which is like a six-minute long song. Actually, one of my favorite songs on the album, which we cannot play, is Girlfriend. It just has so much editing that needs to be done on it. And the way that they mixed it, we cannot do vocal cuts with taking stuff out. So it's always there regardless. (laughs) But you can recommend people go check it out. Yes. Maybe if I'm feeling like doing a lot of work, I could even put this entire list in the play notes in the show notes with uh, links to each of these albums for you to listen to on Spotify or somewhere. (laughs) That would be a lot of work. It will will be a little research, but we can do it. I mean, it's how I listen to them. So it's how others can too, I suppose. (laughs) So one band, you mentioned that uh, you might bump Bad Flower up off on the list a little bit higher. I have to suspect that you would have at least bumped them ahead of this next one. And it's not necessarily a slight to this next one. It just seems like Bad Flower is a little more um, itchy than number eight. Number eight was Sum 41 with their album Order and Decline. I will say that, that you know, we, you know, how uh, we said last episode, we did talk about how we kind of use the point system and the point system really <laughs> was in favor of this next album because Casey had them much higher than I did. So is this one that you guys were actually a little more split on? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you would think Sum 41 and you think, back of their earlier tracks and albums, they wouldn't quite fit. We've played some of their songs on, on the itch over the years, but not, not that often. Yeah. But this, this album in particular, it is chock full of sick riffs and compile that with the political lyrics. It just punches you right in the face from start to finish pretty much. And I think another thing that really helped get this album up to number eight is that kind of like you said, like some 41 had, had just not been relevant for years. And for them to come out with an album that was not only relevant, but really, really good and a lot better than we had hoped for. I think that was one reason why it did make it up to number eight on our list. Yeah, some 41 has always had a combination of this like pop punk and kind of metal kind of sounds that moved around a little bit between styles and it, it from what I've heard of them, which is admittedly just kind of a little here and there over the years. Like I rarely sat down and listened to full albums, but I tend to hear new stuff that they do at least once. It seems like as time has gone by, they've leaned more into that more metal style than they originally started out with when, you know, they're putting out fat lip and having that, you know, big breakthrough single back in the day. Yeah, I agree. Which works for us. I mean, we like that style. So, and the album's only 36 minutes long, so they're another one of those bands that knows not to overstay their welcome. <laughs> they're making pop songs. All the Almost everything in there is, you know, three to four minutes exactly. Somewhere right in the middle there. Well, that is technically a punk kind of thing, too. Yeah. If they're going real punk, they might just be only two minutes. They yeah. really, <laughs> we'll just play this fast and finish it up so we can play like 93 songs in our set list. 
<laughs> you know, and I think, you know, another thing that really kind of played in our decision for where this album landed was just we didn't really give it a chance when it came out. Like, So we didn't actually debut it on the show until around October for Flavor of the Week. And in the last couple of months that we played the album, we ended up playing a lot of the whole album because it made quite an impression on us. Yeah, it's always nice for a band to, uh, I don't know, maybe we could say improve with age. It's a very rare thing, actually, for yeah. a band to get better with age. I I have to agree with that. I think it, sometimes life experiences will can shape you as an artist a little bit more. I know Derek Wibley has gone through some pretty rough stuff in his years. And so it's nice for him to sort of make that kind of comeback. Although this was hardly the beginning of the comeback. He'd been on that path back for quite some time, but still. Well, and I think the political climate can also help inspire uh, people to, you know, write and have, you know, inspiration. He mentioned um, when talking about the album that, you know, it's easy to have feelings about everything that's going on. Exactly. So. They probably have another <laughs> album out next year, right? They very well might. <laughs> they very well might. <laughs> except, except it'll be over uh, the coronavirus and murder hornets and... <laughs> Double hurricanes. <laughs> I hope I want somebody to write a song about the murder hornets because I really feel like like they got <laughs> kind of brushed under the rug. Like they only got like five minutes of fame, not even a full fifteen before the whole world turned fully to coronavirus, and <laughs> it was they were done. No more murder hornets. Plus that video of the praying mantis eating that one. They just they really lost a lot of street cred. And so, I, I'm surprised there's not a metal band out there called Murder Hornets. I bet you there is now. If there isn't, then we should probably make it or at least copyright it. I'm going to get that domain name real quick. <laughs> Moving on. Number seven on our list is a band that I know they've been around. They're not a band I've ever paid attention to before. But after listening to a little bit of this stuff, I think I um, might listen to a little more. I prevail at number seven with their album called Trauma. And this is actually their third album of a major release. And this is one band that, that coronavirus has has uh, hindered me from seeing. I, I'm devastated that I did not get to see them live this year because they were supposed to be on tour with Five Finger Death Punch. And I, I, did, I had tickets to go see them, but obviously because of all the uh, coronavirus things that, you know, most can concerts have been canceled. So right. unfortunately, I will not have the chance to see them this year, but I will still hold out hope that I get to see them soon because then I can truly make my decision on how awesome they are because <laughs> so the first album we really didn't actually even know about this band when their first album came out which was called heart versus mind and then when lifelines came out i became a giant fan of this of this band in fact that album made number three on our top 20 countdown when that album came out and so trauma i, I felt trauma was great i thought it was a fantastic album but i think one of the reasons why it didn't make it as high as the previous album is because there was a lot of really, really good tracks, but there's also just a lot of filler. Like, and yeah. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like bad songs. I'm just saying like actual filler, like interludes and like just not songs. And that just kind of, I don't know, stuff that bothers me every once in a while. <laughs> I feel you. This album was a really big deal, though. Uh, it was getting nominations for Grammys, two nominations for Grammy Awards. It was nominated for Best Rock Album. And uh, for best metal performance for Bow Down. Well, the way that, you know, we talk about the way that CDs are organized a lot on our show. And that's one thing that just, I think, grabbed me because the first track, like you just mentioned, was Bow Down. And like, 
it's a screamer. Like it just gets you in your face and, and you're just, you know, you're like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll bow down. I'll, I'll get down. Like, <laughs> sorry, yes, sorry. Yes. And then, you know, the, and then the second track is paranoid and that's probably one of my favorites on the entire album. It's a short song though. And I think that was the other thing that kind of really got to me is that a lot of these songs are fantastic, but they're so short. Like right as soon as you get into it, it's over. And you're just like, no, I need more. I need more of that song. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there was, with this album trauma, like there's just so many really good songs off it. We played a lot of songs off this album on our, on our uh, show and, you know, pretty much as much as we could play. There's obviously a lot of cursing on this and, and I, I didn't necessarily play, but uh, in fact, I can tell you off the album, we actually played 10 different tracks off this album throughout the uh, 2019 year, 10 out of 13. And that's, that's just about the whole album. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, one thing I absolutely love is that, you know, it has a lot of heavy songs, but it also does have those soft melodic songs like Let Me Be Sad. And so I, I felt that they they touched all the bases of metal um, all on one album, really. And they had some really good guest uh, appearances, too. Yeah, they made good use of their of their guests. Some artists are really good at that um, kind of introducing or bringing um, other perhaps lesser known artists up by featuring them on their songs so on one song called every time you leave they featured an artist called or her name is delaney jane and she's just a canadian singer so i I, maybe she's big in canada but i i've never heard of her prior to uh this song but she did the song well yeah yeah i thought that it was like you said i think they just are very good at using their uh their guest appearances very well because they also featured a, a justin stone who apparently is a Spotify star. <laughs> okay. I didn't know anything about him, but yeah, he's actually had over 80 million Spotify streams independently. Well, kudos to that guy. Not bad. I, again, I think, I think that they just used him very well on the song called rise above it. And it just it added to the album. Like there's just all kinds of different types of, you know, rock uh, genres all in one album. Yeah. Number six, we probably won't spend a ton of time on because we, <laughs> dedicated an entire episode to this band recently and that is head pe with their album stampede which as as mentioned at that time has a album cover that very much stands out amongst the head pe discography how did you guys feel that the sound stood out amongst the other albums on the list amongst rocket the, of the, throughout the year well i just i just thought that the album came out of nowhere for one and then the use of auto-tune to kind of enhance the loss of his voice, of, of Jared's voice. And then pretty much every song was really, really good. <laughs> well, and I think another thing that helped is that this is not a band that we, or at least this is not an album that we had to edit too much. Like, if, unlike other head PE stuff, and I had talked about that in, in very detailed length about how, like there's just a lot of stuff that of head PEs that I didn't want to play because I didn't want to edit it. And I thought that this album was just, it was really good. We did, we did play a lot of songs off of it. It was a very rock album. I think most of the time with their sound, it either is kind of reggae in the past, especially it's been reggae or kind of hip hoppy, but this was a, a real, real hard rock album. And another thing I kind of can tie it to you know, like all the other things, you know, it was a very electronic rock album. And like I said, I think that was just kind of the trend of, of last year. As we mentioned on that episode, it, it seems like it worked for them. And I would suggest right now that 
the album showing up at number six on the list is a uh, pretty good validation that it worked, at least in our eyes. Yeah. Moving on to number five, St. Asonia, flawed design. So now we're into the bigger dogs yet, the top five. I will say for, for St. Asonia, this album is what I wish their debut album would have been. Exactly. Now to clarify to anybody who doesn't know, St. Asonia is sort of a super group. Yes. And they feature, you know, one of, at the time that Adam Gontier split from Three Days Grace, Three Days Grace was one of the biggest rock bands in the whole entire industry at the time. And it was almost unprecedented that they, that they, that he split. And it was really, nobody really knew the reason why it happened. I'm sure there was multiple reasons, multiple internal things that, that led to it. But when he basically split, everybody thought that it was the end of Adam and, and three days grace and, and come to find out, you know, three, three years later, both of them are actually surviving and uh, doing very well for themselves. Yeah. How about that? Features him and, uh, and Mike Mushak from stained who was with stained during the height of their rock peak as well. Cause at one time, maybe just prior to three days, grace, I suppose stained was one of the biggest rock bands in the industry. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. About the time that like break the cycle in about Oh one or so. Yeah. And I think that's what happened is maybe, maybe we had too high expectations when their first album came out. Maybe it's just that they didn't have the chemistry that they wanted when that first album came out, but they definitely found it with flawed design, and I, I know that's exactly why it made it all the way up to number five on our list for last year, because every single song was fantastic. They had a, a, a like almost every single one of them could be considered a, a single. They also had a pretty significant number of uh, of featured artists, including a plenty that we've mentioned um, in other episodes. They had Keith Wallen of Breaking Benjamin. And Sully Erna, who seems to show up everywhere at this point. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) They brought in the singer from Star Set, who was uh, showed up earlier on our list this time. And also uh, Sharon from Within Temptation. And so they were just they were just loading it up. They're a super group. And then they became like a super duper group (laughs) with the guest appearances. (laughs) Well, and to give you an idea of how we felt about this album, we ended up playing around eight tracks and I know we didn't debut this album until November of uh, 2019. And to give you an idea of how we felt compared to their previous album, we played two tracks from their debut album. <laughs> and yeah. And that, so we felt very strongly. This was a much, much better album. It was really, really good. And they had, like you said, a lot of really good guest appearances that, that just fit right in. Although I will say that every time Sully Erna is on a song, it still sounds like a Godsmack song. I don't know if that's <laughs> my intent or what. He makes the whole song sound like Godsmack. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, what happened there. but Because the song that he's featured on is called The Hunted. And I remember when it first came out, I thought it was a Godsmack song. <laughs> no matter what song I'm on, it's going to sound like mine, damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe... Maybe that's why Stitched Apart only allowed him like for just to come in at the end. Like, this is not your song. This is not your song, Sully. It's going to be a ours. Stitched Apart song. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so moving on the, down the list, coming in at number four, Sublime with Rome and Blessings. And I'm one that pushed this album pretty high up there. I, I, I have been a huge fan of Sublime with Rome. 
I was always a huge fan of Sublime, and I'm going to make a, a statement that uh, might shock a lot of people, might might get a lot of kickback from people. Uh oh. But I I kind of like Sublime with Rome a little bit more than Sublime. Now, but but hear me out. One of the reasons why is because Sublime with Rome is new. They're still relevant because they're actually able to go out and play music. And I think that had Brad Noel not passed away. I would probably sublime would probably be my favorite band of all time. Their first albums, two albums, uh, 40 ounces of freedom and self-titled sublime. I've listened to so many times that I've almost kind of grown tired of them. <laughs> but I know that's my own fault, but uh, yeah, I've almost worn them out. And so when Rome joined with sublime, their first album was okay. You know, it was called uh, yours truly. And it was good. Uh, they had a couple of de- decent songs on it. Then their second album was called Sirens, and I started to get into them a little bit more. Sirens had some really, really good singles, and I still think that the, the singles off of Sirens is probably better than most of the songs on Blessings, but the entire album of Blessings is freaking awesome. Every single song, I, I'm pretty sure that I have played every single song on this uh, album uh, at one point or another throughout the show of The Itch, and there's no doubt listening to it, this past week that it still holds up. I still love this, this entire album a lot. Every single song is, is just better than the last song. Yeah. You definitely had it a lot higher up than, than I would have put it, but well, I think what it is too. And one of the reasons why I've kind of worn sublime out in my own head is because I've always loved reggae kind of ska music, rock music. And the only bands that I knew for the longest time, because I was, I was a very sheltered radio listening kid was sublime 311 and Bob Marley. And so I, I just, I wasn't exposed to like all the other bands that were out there, like slightly stupid revolution and and so many more. Cause like I said, I was sheltered. I was only listening to stuff on the radio, but I, I think that's one reason why I'm just a huge, huge fan of, of sublime with Rome is cause well, I just, I've always loved sublime and just to kind of, hear them rejuvenated and Rome is I think a great fit for that band. It just seems to work real well. And I think the more that they play together, the better that they sound and the more chemistry that they have. I'm a little weirded out that sublime with Rome is now just one third of the original sublime instead of two thirds. It makes it definitely feel less connected, but I guess that's okay. If you consider that they are less actual sublime and more like a legacy carrying on and evolving i guess if you view it that way then i suppose it works i mean and all things considered if you're putting out good music it doesn't really matter but it is just a little bit odd to see first of all the generation gap between the original sublime members and then rome who especially when he started almost 10 years ago with them was a kid and then just to realize that there's only only one of them left in the in this current incarnation of the group so Eric Wilson is the bassist, and he's the original. He's the only one left, because Bud was the uh, the drummer. Bud left to spend more time with his family, as people often do. No wonder why I fucking love it. He was replaced by Josh Freeze. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, and like you said, there's there's a huge generational gap, and, and so they're a little bit older, too. And Bud and Eric had been playing for years, because even after Brad Noel passed away they did try to go on and make a, a new band called long beach dub all-stars which i remember they had a couple of singles that wasn't bad but they were pretty they, good yeah. yeah they just never really took off until they you know until they got with like the like you said the the 20 year old rome ramirez at the time 
I think that they're still gaining chemistry, and I think that's one reason why I was a huge fan of this album. So they've actually had a new drummer every single album, now that they look at this. So for the first album, their drummer was uh, the original drummer from Sublime, Bud, yeah. And then the uh, second album, it was Josh Freeze, and the third one, they have a new guy named Carlos Verdugo. I guess it still works then. I don't know. I don't know what to, know what to, how to feel about that, but... Again, as long as they're making good music, it doesn't really matter. You know what? If Leonard Skinner can go on for years with not any members of original members, <laughs> I'm okay with Sublime with Rome. That's fair. All right. So we mentioned that I Prevail was nominated for some Grammys for their album. Our number three artist not only was nominated, but won a pair of Grammys for his album. He won Best Rock Song and Best Rock Performance for the track of this land from the album of the same title. And that is one Gary Clark Jr., the phenomenal blues rock guitarist. I will have to say that that is one of the very few times that I will agree with the Grammys. (laughs) (laughs) He got his just due. This guy has, he's only 36, but he's been around for quite some time. He's been around since he was like a teenager, basically doing this stuff on, Yes, on some type of scale since 1996. So he he basically was 12, 12 or 13 when he he made it onto the scene. Yeah, he released his first studio album in 01. So still a teenager. And uh, he's just moved on up and up since then. Now this land comes out and, and it's a very justifiable big deal. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know if this would have even made our radar, um, you know, as much as I love this album and there's a reason why we placed it number three i don't know if it would have made our radar had i not seen him perform this land on the daily show with trevor noah for one it was just a fantastic song great performance he's a he's a phenomenal guitarist Um, absolutely and he's you know he shared the stage with some some of the greatest guitarists of all times like clapton tom petty and the heartbreakers bb king and the rolling stones so he has you know to to be able to keep up with the likes of those guitarists. They're some of the greatest of all time. Like people consider Clapton to be a guitar God. BB King is the blues guitar God. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of credibility to that, but this, this album, and like I said, seeing it on the daily show and just the, hearing the, the lyrics, you know, it's, it, it, it hit me hard. Um, because, you know, it's just, especially even, you know, we talked about it like this year of what black people are having to deal with. Um, and obviously they've been dealing with it for years, but the lyrics in this whole entire album, like they, they really speak to that and just how he feels. And, and like the, the main song, this land, like if you look at the lyrics for that, it's uh, pretty alarming. Uh, you know, he's just basically talking about how he moved into the, you know, a rich neighborhood cause he's, he's making money. He's successful now. And all his neighbors basically think that he doesn't belong there. And it's just, it's crazy to hear that somebody with his stature still has to deal with the you know the racism and the profiling that goes along with being black and he's yeah he's not the first person to say that i think lebron james made a a similar comment that no matter how successful you are there are some people who will only see you in a certain way but that track is is really powerful like you you just mentioned you know it's it's kind of based on the this land is your land concept uh from woody guthrie who was another guy who was very well known for speaking truth to power and addressing the circumstances of his day. And Gary is, is not afraid to do that himself. 
And uh, with racial issues being so prominent, especially right now, and even more so since this album came out, it just it had a very timely and important place in rock for for 2019, for sure. Yeah, and and still has a, a, a place in our country right now. Yeah, even more yeah. so, unfortunately. But the entire album was was stacked. There's 17 tracks on this album, and every single one of them is phenomenal for different reasons. There's songs that that you know kind of remind you of like Prince type songs. There's songs that sound like blues type songs, like BB King is 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 playing with them. He channels all different spectrums of rock and man, can he play guitar? Uh, he shows that off on a lot of different songs, even call, you know, I don't know if it's re- reference in him, but there's a song called the guitar man too. <laughs> yes. He certainly is one of those. And of course, what about us was important for Dan and I listening to him play as the, the blues were on their way to win in the Stanley cup in 2019. Yeah. He set up stage in front of the enterprise center and played a I'm pretty sure it was a set a long set but they showed only one song on television the national broadcast before uh one of the games I think it was game 6 too wasn't it of the Stanley Cup finals I think so I think it was game yeah. 6 yeah cuz I know that like I'm almost positive that was it because like downtown was just packed there were more people in outside the stadium than uh inside and there were in fact I think there was more people downtown than there ever had been besides for uh the actual march or the parade is what i meant (laughs) yeah and this song this album had 17 tracks that were really good that that all you know could have been played on the on the show and i'm pretty sure we did play a good amount of them throughout the entire year and i particularly throughout this duration of this podcast advocated for trimming the fat and so you know if you've got i don't really necessarily advocate for an LP to actually only be about 30 minutes, but if that's as much good music as you have, or in the case of like, for example, the green day album we talked about in a previous episode from this year, father of all is a super short album, but it's hard hitting and quick and fun. And it works. Whereas some albums get real bloated real fast. And so Gary here, he manages to go well over an hour on this album. And that's a thing that used to be, more common and acceptable, I think, than it is now. You know, short attention spans or whatnot. But it's still not an easy thing to do to be fully engaging for over an hour. And so um, that's how you end up at number three on a top 20 list, is by succeeding at that mission. Well, just in comparison to another album that was on this list, like, you know, the Tool album is probably well over an hour. But there's like parts... minutes. The Tool album maxed out as much as you can put on something, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's parts of the Tool album that just kind of go on and on. You just forget either that you're listening to it or you're just like, oh, my God, is this the same song or what is this? Like, am I still listening to the Tool album? Like, as much as I I am a fan of Tool, like, it just went on and on. I didn't feel like that at all with this Gary Clark Jr. album. Like like I said, I think what helped it is that he, he touches upon so many different genres through the rock spectrum that you know, it doesn't feel like it's droning on. Like you get through one song, you're like, oh man, that was a great song. And then all of a sudden another great song starts. And I was just entranced the entire album through 17 songs. Every single one of them, I was just, I was, I was loving it. Our number two artist was one that went a little more on the less is more side. And if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast and also know that this band released an album in 2019, you might've been able to guess that they would show up somewhere because one of us, 
as a child with the same <laughs> name as the singer. And so <laughs> even though we did establish that that wasn't necessarily intentional, he didn't mind either. And so uh, Papa Roach coming in at number two. Yeah. And honestly, I think it was after this album was released that I started being like, yeah, he is named after him. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you trust? The number two. And and with good reason. Yeah. And like I, you know, I, so the band that I was talking about earlier being Papa Roach there, I like to call them the chameleons of rock because as rock trends go, so does Papa Roach and they take a trend and they nail it every single time. Like they make it theirs and they just own it. Like there's a you know time in the early 2000s where emo, uh, emo rock was, was a thing and, and Papa Roach did it and they made, they were like one of the best at it. I think 2019 was kind of a, a year where there was a lot of electronic rock and Papa Roach did it and they made, they were one of the best at it. So there was a reason why this album was number two on our list and it was because the Chameleons of Rock just continue to put out great albums. And honestly, I, I, I really, you know, we were talking about this earlier. I, there are very few bands that I think get better with age. Papa Roach is one of them. Their last three to four albums have been some of their best albums, in my opinion. And I, I just I continue to become more and more a fan of this band every single time I, they put out an album, every single time I see them live. They just always put their 100 percent effort into everything that they do. Yeah, and to add to that, this album did a pretty good job of telling a story from start to finish just with, you know, a lot of songs about depression and positivity and trying to elevate yourself. <laughs> yeah, I agree 100% with that, you know, and in, in, in an industry where we lost two phenomenal singers uh, two years prior to this album coming out, there's a lot of people that sing about depression, but there's not a lot of songs that are like, supporting people with depression. I felt that this was a fantastic album in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of songs that like, you know what, you're not the only one dealing with this. There's, there's people, even famous people that are, that are dealing with this and that there are ways to get through this. And I, yeah, this was definitely an album that, that was a great pick me up. It's, it's been definitely a bigger and bigger thing amongst the arts and music is people just spreading the word that, everyone struggles and that's that can be a comforting thing because feeling like you're alone in something is really an untrue and unsafe place to be a lot and i have friends and family that that deal with uh anxiety and depression and there's been times where you know they send me messages and they don't they're just not having a good day and i actually i, I know in a couple of times i've sent them lyrics back from this album really um, yeah, like especially the song called Come Around. It's one of my favorites off there just because the chorus is everybody says they're fine, but I know that we're not all right. Uh, I know that we're not all right. It's always dark. It's just before the light. I know your silence is a deadly sound. It's never easy when you're breaking down, but I'll be there when you come around. And so, you know, it just it's kind of how I feel. You know, it's I have I've always tried to be there for, for my friends and family and that are that are going through this and. And I just felt that that was appropriate. And that's, you know, I sing this to, I sing these songs to my kids too, because I want them to know that if they're dealing with that, you know, I, I'll be there no matter what. That's powerful stuff. That's a good reason for an album to, to make number two, whenever it can have a personal impact like that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I said too, it's just, they also mastered the sound of, uh, of electric music, like the song elevate. One of the things, one of the trends that I really liked in 2019 is that, there's a, there was a lot of artists kind of getting away from choruses almost. Instead of having a chorus, they would have like a guitar line replace the chorus. And 
Elevate is kind of a great example of that because the, the lyrics, or the, I'm sorry, the chorus is basically, I want to elevate, elevate, watch me elevate. That's it. The guitar line is the chorus of that song. And that's kind of what Grandson does with a lot of their songs too. But Pop Roach, like I said, just the chameleons, they, they take something and they just own it every single time. Casey, any final words on that one before we move on? One interesting thing about some of these albums that made our, our countdown is a lot of these albums came out at the beginning of the year, and this album came out January 18th of 2019. Yeah. So it had a long time to sit and stew <laughs> to make the next year's list, basically. So, <laughs> And that can work out for you know positively for a band and it can also hurt them too because you know there's sometimes we're by the time the end of the year we're tired of hearing it or we Um, forget we forget that we need to add it to the list (laughs) exactly but that didn't happen with this like we continued to play songs off this album throughout the entire year we actually ended up playing a total of eight songs we played them within just one year we played them 13 different times throughout the course of the year so it, it is definitely an album that we felt held up and we continued to play it through every single show that we, we could. And the same thing could be said about the number one artist. Yeah, the number one album of 2019 is voted on by The Itch. Now, do you want to recap real quick? Sure, let's drop those top 10. I've heard the other ones enough myself. If anybody else hasn't, go back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, before we get into the number one album, I'll go ahead and recap what we discussed this particular episode. Landing at number 10 was Grandson with The Modern Tragedy, Volume 2. At number 9, we had Bad Fire with OK, I'm Sick. Number 8, Some 41, Order and Decline. Number 7 was I Prevail with Trauma. Number 6, Head P.E. Stampede. St. Asonia with their album Flawed Design was at number 5. Number 4 was Sublime with Rome and their album called Blessings. Number three, Gary Clark Jr., This Land. And as we just mentioned, Papa Roach, number two, with their album, Who Do You Trust? And now, drum roll. <laughs> Every time somebody talks about a drum roll, I think of Christmas Vacation. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, and they're all just like, <laughs> sounding like idiots. <laughs> yep. Nobody can do a real drum roll. That's what I was going for. Uh, <laughs> I'll spare you. I won't make any silly sounds with my mouth like I did just a second ago. As long as it's not the shitter that's full, we're good. <laughs> oh wow he went there <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out how we can work an episode of Christmas Vacation into this podcast <laughs> hey oh wait I do I do have a tie in very very loosely fun fact one of my favorite one of my favorite things about Papa Roach we're going to go back to them for just a second <laughs> their debut EP released in 94 mind you which is insane that Jacoby Shaddix is embarrassed about to this day was titled Potatoes for Christmas. So not really related to the movie per se, but, you know, back in that holiday theme. <laughs> there you Enjoy go. Enjoy that fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So if you've been following these last two episodes, you're probably really, really curious. Like, what could we possibly feel was better than all those albums? Well, we felt that the album called Feral Roots by Rival Sons was the best album of 2019. Ooh, and why? Well, there's many reasons. Casey could probably start. (laughs) (laughs) Give us some reasons. Well, I I got this album pretty much right when it came out because they released the single Do Your Worst. And I was like, huh, that song's really good. I need to check this band out. So then 
when I got the album and put it in, listened to it start to finish, every single song off this album is fantastic. Yeah, and it's it's got a decent amount of songs on it, too. Yep. 11 tracks. And of those 11, we ended up playing eight throughout the year. We debuted this album fairly early in the year, so this was kind of another one that uh, could have gone two ways. It could have fallen off our radar and we not played it, or you know, it could continue to be played, which it exactly what happened. Uh, we did end up playing this this album well throughout the the year. This is another album that got uh, some Grammy nominations for for best rock album and best rock performance. It's hard to believe that I actually agreed with the Grammys last year. That's it's surprising. <laughs> I was going to note that um, it, I think it's worth mentioning that the more blues rock style, the itch plays it, but it's very rarely stuff that we like really, really latch on to, I would say. And so this feels a little bit like an exception, but I guess also, you know, when you got an album that does kind of have some some Led Zeppelin feeling to it, that's going to probably draw in just about any rock fan. Yeah. And they just were so raw in their sound. It's that, that old school feel to their sound that just, you don't quite always hear anymore. And that's what I really enjoyed about the whole album. I think what's crazy to me is that Feral Roots is their sixth studio album. And for one, it was the first one that we ever came across. And so this band's been out there forever. They've been doing their thing for quite some time. But uh, we didn't really obviously get turned on them until the single Do Your Worst came out. And yeah, we we latched on to it. And like you said, every single song is great and still holds up to this day. When we were preparing for this show, I couldn't stop listening to this album. Like it's just it it's so good from start to finish. They use the gospel choir so well in a lot of their songs and it's just it's different like you know you say it's it's blues rock i kind of almost consider it like southern rock yeah yeah but even even that i would say it's 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 a region of rock that isn't typically the itch's like strongest forte and so and i say that as a compliment to them because what i'm saying is like if this band there's a little more on the outskirts of what we typically play was good enough to make it to number one with this album that has, feels like a pretty big compliment to the album. And it's really funny how this all kind of came to be because, you know, when we were putting our list together, I was listening to all the albums. I had a huge playlist that I put together and I almost gave it my own point system to where I would be listening to it. And, you know, if I didn't like a song that I would delete that song off the playlist. And there were no songs that I deleted off the playlist from, from this album from rival sons. And so when, when me and Casey kind of met to, discuss our list he actually thought i was gonna have papa roach at number one but when i i came back i was like you know what i really think that this rival sons album is gonna be should be number one he, he i think i think his jaw dropped to the floor actually yeah well because i was gonna try to fight for it for number one but i just i didn't, <laughs> think, I didn't think that it was gonna happen but when you said that i'm like hey no arguments here yeah <laughs> you pleasantly didn't have to fight for it all right it was a <laughs> unanimous decision and honestly uh, there's been very few bands that we've unanimously decided we're going to be the number one. I think the only ones that we consistently decide is Skin Dread. So <laughs> to be to be up there with with Skin Dread uh, is is quite the compliment to to Rival Sons. Definitely. And it's real funny because there were a lot of uh, like artists and people that that put together their own list of top albums last year, and 
Lizzie Hale came out actually saying that this was her favorite album of 2019 as well. So it's good to know that we were uh, justified in our thinking as well by, by other artists and, and uh, people that are well known and respected throughout the rock industry. That's a very good point. I will note something that took me about this album is the cover, which it's a little weird. It appears to be a dog that it might be dead. (laughs) Definitely doesn't look like it's up to a whole lot, whatever it is. Kind of laying in this field, and there's something that looks like a tiny flamingo in the corner. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a drawing. It's very interesting. It actually is reminiscent of uh, a band that I tried very briefly to to get the itch to play, and it just never really took. Which was a band called The Joy Formidable. They had a an album called Wolf's Law that that's cover was also like a, a it looked like a dead wolf with flowers growing out of it. Yeah, if and if you want to if you want to make that even creepier, you can watch some of their the songs on YouTube that just have the cover art and it kind of it kind of is animated and moves moves back and forth a little bit and like the dog eye will kind of tilt to one side and then tilt back the other way. It's a little creepy. Maybe he is alive. <laughs> it's a story we'll have to find out on their next album. Probably not. Their album before this, though, wasn't that f- that far off. Hollow Bones was also this like wolf dog thing animated cover. He was in the water and looked like he was like, I don't know, eating or breathing a cloud or something. And so apparently this is just a thing that they like to do. Another thing that made this album just fantastic is Jay Buchanan, their lead singer, is just incredible with his vocals on this this whole album. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so this list I really kind of appreciated the way that it um the way that it finished up. I, I called I mentioned earlier we're getting into the big dogs and then the bigger dogs, and I wasn't actually thinking about Feral Roos. That wasn't foreshadowing with the, the dog on the cover. But um <laughs> the fact that we picked these these top three, four, five albums here that are such different styles. You're saying Sonia at foot number five with kind of I guess a more straightforward, like hard modern rock style. You got Sublime with Rome with their more reggae variations. Gary Clark, you know, kind of getting blues, maybe a little like R&B even in there. Yeah. Papa Roach, as you called them, chameleons that kind <laughs> of do a little electronic and move around in some other different styles. They still got some rap here and there. And then uh, maybe more than here and there. I don't remember. But either way. And then Rival Sons, that southern blues rock, a little bit of a like an old school feel to them. It was cool to see that many uh, different realms of of the rock world, putting out high quality stuff. And that's we've mentioned before, noting the fact that that our scope isn't the broadest. We we don't get that far into, you know, like your punk or like your more extreme metal, like a little bit here and there. But by and large, we have a moderately limited scope and we still manage to, to hear that many really good, really diverse albums. So 2019 was not not too shabby by any means. It was a great year for music. A lot of bands making their debuts, a lot of bands making really strong sophomore and, and third debuts uh, or sixth albums yeah. or or 10th yeah. albums. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's wild. Yeah, this this list had a, a good mix of everything with comeback albums and and uh, and rising stars. Yeah. Yeah. So the bar was set pretty high for 2020 and uh, we'll just have to see, I guess, uh, what happens. So stay tuned to Rock Matters. We would love to hear your thoughts on this list, 
and on the one that we are building. Feel free to hit us up on social media and let us know if you had differing opinions, because anytime one puts out a list, you are opening the floodgates to being called an idiot for your thoughts. <laughs> and so we'll bring it on. We, we enjoy it. I am definitely an idiot, but... Uh, you know, <laughs> well, we stand by our music yeah, choices. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's discuss. Tell us something you we missed. Maybe one day we'll do an episode on the honorable mentions, and we'll we'll add a couple more in there on your account. Who knows? Yeah, you know, or there's you know, there's been a lot of times that we've put these lists together, and then all of a sudden, like we'll discover a band or something that's been out for a couple years, and we're like, dang, this probably would have been like top ten on our list. <laughs> or in the case of the Who, which we which technically their debut album came out in 2019, but it was so late that we didn't really get a chance to bother with it. So we're going to count the deluxe edition towards 2020. Sometimes you sneak through like that a little bit because who really cares? These rules are fairly arbitrary. And we, <laughs> yeah, we'll make exceptions like once in a while, once in once every 20 years, apparently uh, yeah, every 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> but as we stated uh, a couple of times, you know, this is just our opinion. Um, something that we've been doing for years. We thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy putting these lists together. And they, and they uh, continue to get bigger and bigger almost every every year because of all the, not only the music that's coming out and, and the access that we have to music, but I think it's also the way that the music industry has changed in general. There's a lot easier ways to, to get new music and to hear new music than, you know, waiting for that single to play on the radio. You can stream it any day all day long now and so we hope you do look up some of these albums and uh support these artists as well i do like as much as i like to link people to playlists and stuff to hear i do try to make it um, a policy to try to include links to like merch pages and whatnot for bands especially right now whenever live music is not really a thing it's all the more important that if you want artists like these to stay as musicians and not go get nine to five jobs of note that some of these are lifer bands and some of these are fairly new guys that uh, think that every every dollar matters. <laughs> go to their merch pages, go to their social media sites, see what they're up to and find ways to support them if you like them. Yes. And do the same for us. <laughs> Spread the word. <laughs> I miss concerts. Very <laughs> much. I, miss, I miss live music. <laughs> <laughs> one day, Dan, one day. Yeah, soon, hopefully. Maybe we'll do an episode sometime on live albums just to reminisce about that time that we could go see concerts or you know live performances on on youtube that we can watch for free there we go best best youtube quarantine performances <laughs> there you go Put it <laughs> i like it <laughs> well i hope you've enjoyed our look back at 2019 and the itches countdown of top 20 albums of 2019 again it is our opinion you are more than welcome to share your own opinion we have many ways to do that and uh hopefully you feel comfortable enough to do that Thank you very much for listening to The Itch Rock Matters. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail, all at ItchRocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. As long as it's not the shitter that's full, we're good. <laughs>